here today with Cindy Baker, so thanks for joining us at live from Studio Venus, although we are in a hotel room in Airdrie today. That's right. Because Cindy has a performance tomorrow, so I took the opportunity to run up to Airdrie so that we could have a quick chat. Yeah, and you had her. Oh, I'm excited. It's fun. It's always nice to have an excuse to have a night away. Yeah. In a hotel. I like yeah, exactly. it. Especially when the hot tub in the room. I know. I shouldn't go in the hot tub room. I don't know what I was thinking. Next time. Next. <laughs> so you've been busy. Looks like you've been busy your whole career. Uh, yeah, I've had a pretty You're busy, busy career, but this summer uh, and fall especially. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say summer and fall, did did you decide? Let's maybe just talk about that. Sure. Um, uh, you know, no, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about where you went to school and okay. what brought you here. So where did you do your undergrad? I did my undergrad in Edmonton at the University of Alberta. Oh, where are you teaching now? Yeah, where I'm teaching now, way back in the early 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was very um, modernist and formal. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, it still is to a degree, but back then it was even more so. And, yeah. uh, and I was kind of disillusioned with art when I was done there and so um, I started making performance and making uh, knitting crochet So were you, when you were there and yeah. doing your degree, yeah. you were knitting and doing objects? Oh or, no, no, I was. Because it was way too formal, right? I was right? doing big blobby abstract paintings <laughs> and uh, beautiful delicate line work in uh, etchings and yeah, I was doing... It's nice to have those skills, isn't it? Exactly. I was doing yeah. what they taught well. And, yeah. And I was, um, yeah, I was learning what they had to teach, and I was learning it really well. Yeah. Um, but I really felt like the rest of the world, outside of the art world and outside of the academy, didn't care yeah. about art. So I wanted to make things that people cared about. Yeah. Oh, that fits when you say that. That fits quite nicely with everything that you do. Yeah. Um, and so then you went on to do your MFA in Lethbridge. So yeah. how did you end up in Saskatoon? Are you from Saskatoon? No, I'm from Edmonton originally. Oh, I'm from okay. Leduc, actually. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and I uh, got a job when I was done my degree at uh, Latitude 53, an artist-run center yeah. there, and uh, then worked at Harcourt House, worked for Metro Cinema Film Society, and that's when I decided I wanted to move on and see what else there was of the great wide world. But um, in between and at that time when you weren't in school you were creating like crazy from what I from what I can see, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I graduated from the U of A in ninety seven and I didn't go back to school until twenty twelve. So oh, wow. I had a bit of a career in in the meantime and I was working yeah. for artist run centers. I moved to Saskatoon to work at AKA Gallery. Right. Um, and decided I wouldn't go back to school until I figured I could make a living being an artist, and I figured out that I could. So. Oh, good for you! Good for you! You've you've achieved achieved the dream. Uh, <laughs> sort of, yeah. I mean, I don't really make a living, but I make a pretty good life. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really nice statement. Really nice way of saying it. Thanks. So yeah, so you're a busy, busy artist, and once you left Edmonton, then it was it? It seems like it was mostly all performance based. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, a lot of what I do and have done, I, I think I'm mostly known for performance um, and performance that is very object heavy. So a lot of the installation work that I do is in the service of performance as well. Yeah, a lot of, and making things for others, it seems like. Yeah, or quite a few of the performances that I came across that are quite lovely. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The hot tub one I was really jealous of because I'm a hot tub girl. <laughs> and I looked at it and I'm like, how did I not come up with this project? <laughs> I need woodwork, we hang out in a hot tub. Coming up with a project is one thing, but actually convincing someone to put oh. a hot tub in the gallery, that's the trick. Yeah, that's that would the be trick. the trick. Yeah. Well, good for you for doing it. Where did you do that one? That, that was at the Art Gallery of Alberta in Edmonton. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was for a show called Nests at the End of the World. Um, and the curatorial premise was imagine it's the end of the world and you're fighting on the front lines and how do you conceive of self-care so uh -huh. that you can go back out and keep fighting the good fight. And my collaborator Ruth Cuthead and I said, well, I mean, it is the end of the world. <laughs> what do we do? And we yeah. were like, well, we spend time in the hot tub. Well, so that's what we focused on. Well, and it just, the idea of a nest and a hot tub just seemed to fit so well because it's just so nurturing and it's a, a round space that we're together and, and yeah. yeah it just really fit lovely yeah so then you're doing a bunch of performance and then you decide to do your MFA in Lethbridge yeah. and why Lethbridge you know I had the good fortune of being able to travel across the country and look at all of the schools that I wanted to go to and I um, I was thinking of some of the bigger schools and some of the more well-known schools for um, doing performance and, and the kinds of things that I was doing. Um, I almost ended up in Portland. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in the end, I loved the facilities at Lethbridge. I loved the studio setup and I really loved the people. It is, it's so, great. Yeah. And great for someone like you too, who is in performance space, because we have such, you know, some really great um, professors there. Yeah, who were your um who was your uh my advisor yeah. was denton frederickson oh really um, yeah and i worked with mary and annie um suzanne lennon was my external i had a really really great you do have great a great team, team. Yeah. yeah yeah we we have some amazing profs and, and artists here in lethbridge that's why it's such a um the podcast when it's up and running i go once a week and it's not hard to find artists in lethbridge at all whether they're people who are are just making art down in the basement for themselves or people who are involved in the academia lethbridge is just yeah the art community cool. is is so rich in yeah. lethbridge and people who are active in, in their practice which is really nice yeah, absolutely yeah i miss it yeah yeah and so what brought you up to Edmonton? Was it work that took you to Edmonton or? Yeah, there just yeah. wasn't enough um, in Lethbridge for yeah. me. And I know a lot of people scrape by and yeah. put together lots of gigs to make it work. Um, and I had just been offered some teaching gigs there and. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't say no to money. Well, Edmonton seems like a really artsy place too. Is, is it? It's different. I mean, everywhere I've been, when you find the pockets, that's true. When you like, find your people, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. And I know it really well. Like it's where I'm from, so I'm familiar with it. I'm comfortable. I know how to get around the art world. I right. know how it works. So yeah, um, it felt comfortable coming back. And what is it you're teaching this semester? Teaching uh, intermedia at the University of Alberta. And what is intermedia? I'm, I'm imagining that's a... <coughs> I mean, at the U of A, it basically means whatever doesn't fall under sculpture and painting and printmaking, oh. <laughs> um, which, I mean, it's a lot of things. There's new media or, I mean, it's not really new anymore, media, video, art, audio, um, any time-based work, um, digital, 
uh, production of all kinds uh, installation. So I like to focus on installation, um, video-based work, and performance, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're lucky to have you. Really lucky to have you. I like to think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about your summer. Okay. But yeah, what? how did that start and, and where did you go all over? I was really lucky. I have been really lucky to be the recipient of all sorts of basically COVID money. <laughs> so all sorts of arts organizations um, when COVID hit were just sort of scrambling to figure out how to spend their money if they weren't allowed to do traditional right. programming. Um, and their funders assumed and expected that they would continue spending money and continue supporting artists and galleries and presentation centers wanted to continue supporting artists. Yeah. Um, and uh, I started getting calls, um, like we would like you to do something. Uh, and some of it was mentorship related and some of it was um, doing talks and writing. And then there were opportunities for residencies and shows. And I think a big part of it is that I have a reputation for being able to think on my feet and to really produce. So they knew you were someone they could call who would come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. who could help them out. Yeah. To have something interesting going on. Yeah. And I mean, there's things that I applied for too. I know there are opportunities that yeah. um, were open to me that, you know, were open to a lot of people. Um, and I guess I'm good at applying for things. Yeah. Too. So, um, it just so happened that suddenly my spring and summer and fall filled up with lots and lots of projects. Yeah. yeah. And so can we talk about a couple of those, um, especially the series um, that sort of really touched my heart where you were going um, and doing the performances outside people's windows in some points or yeah. sort of still interacting in the only way that we could during COVID. Um, and so it was, um, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it, but it was such a lovely thing. Like I'm thinking of being the recipient of that performance and being in the house, being in a place we're sort of stuck. And now where we're looking out the window, all of a sudden we have this performance, it's just for us. Yeah. It's this amazing, um, yeah, what a lovely, lovely gift and what a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a performance art, artist run center in Toronto called Fado and they put out a call for what they were calling performance resolutions and they said um, if you were to get a bit of support from us to be able to make performance or to think about performance um, what would you do what would you resolve to do this yeah. spring um, and i said i would resolve to see people again i would resolve to perform again in person mm -hmm. um, and to connect with people and so my project um, was very specifically to make one-on-one -on -one performances for people in very safe ways so uh, outside their windows or from a safe distance outside um, and to just connect with people one-on-one -on -one and make performances uh, not to bring the same performance to people uh, over and over but to really think about them uh, and what my connection to them was and to make something really specifically for them mm. and how was that for you um, connecting again that way um, it was really generative for yeah. me. I, it was so rewarding in so many ways and, and people felt that it was generous and I got lots of feedback that people thought um, that I was giving them a gift, but really it was a gift for me. It was very, very selfish to be able to um, 
just make work basically for myself over mm -hmm. and over. Um, but it wasn't because you, you said you were, were keeping them in mind when you were doing the performances, oh, right? Absolutely, yeah. But it was yeah. about my connection with yeah, them. Yeah, right. Um, and the more I did these performances, the more I realized that I was the best audience member because they were a little farther away and I was doing these um, really mostly quite luscious actions and I was seeing things that I knew other mm -hmm. people couldn't see. and, um, and they Was that hard for you? Was it hard for me? Well, was it hard for you when you have something that's this luscious, beautiful little thing that you're realizing at a distance someone else isn't actually going to be able to see and get that, that this is basically almost your gift for yourself? Was it hard that it was only that? I mean, I, you were recording all your performances as well, I imagine, right? The, the trade-off was that the people who were witnessing the performances, the people who I made the performances for, had to document it in some way. Okay. Um, and that could be with cameras, and it could be with words, or with uh, drawings, um, with uh, a verbal recollection. So it could be non-traditional. Yeah. Um, but really, I wanted to see what those, what the people I was performing for wanted to give back, or what they saw in it. Um, and they, they all got so much out of it and were so generous about their feedback and about um, the documentation that I know they were getting as much as I was. I was just getting something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what were some of the ways that people, I mean, rather than the traditional, that they documented for you? Um, I did get a few drawings. Oh, did you? Which oh, was lovely. really, really lovely. Um, yeah. yeah, I I love when people are inspired to make art back at me. Yeah. Um, I know that Colleen Devine did oh, that yeah. as well for my last performance in Lethbridge. Um, she was doing live. Drawings. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was, and they were being projected on the side of the building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's such a great drawer, too. Yeah, and it was so yeah. beautiful. But, um, I mean, a lot of people just wanted to tell me stories about what they saw and what they experienced and what it felt like to them. Um, but for the most part, it was photos, lots yeah. of photos and video, yeah. um, which I'm really glad to have because some of the images um, feel really important and were just so beautiful in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's partly because I made work that I'm proud of and partly because the people were so invested yeah. in the work that they just um, they got the perfect shots. Oh, cool. Well, and it's, it's kind of nice when you have your audience who's documenting, that's not something that's usually done in the art world. Yeah. We have this sort of third person or, or third element that's doing the documenting. So to have that is kind of special because you're getting it from whatever point of view that they have. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it is kind of a gift in a way back. It's totally to a gift. It was absolutely a gift. Yeah. You had to see what the people who were witnessing were seeing and that informs my practice. Yeah. Um, and I will carry that with me into my work uh, in the future, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and one of the other ones that kind of struck me was 1,000 Steps. Well, looking through your work, yeah. um, you keep, you've kept a dream journal for 10 years, I think, I read. Yeah. So, wow, good for you. Good for you for sticking with something with a journal. I'm good at starting them. I'm not good at keeping them. Um, and you must have very fantastic dreams. I have some pretty fun dreams. Yeah. 
<laughs> but and so that's informed quite a few of your performances and your installations and that kind of thing are these different dreams right yeah yeah so I decided um, once I'd collected 10 years of dreams that I wanted to make work for 10 years about my dreams oh, okay. um, and once I started making work about my dreams the the compulsion to record them just stopped so really? it wasn't that I had to like stick to it but I was really compelled for a long time yeah. to write my dreams down I'd wake up and think write it down write it down before you forget yeah um, and that desire is completely gone now yeah. but um, I wanted to make as many of my dreams come true as I could so I've been um, I've been making them like not come true like act something out um, yeah but like I had a dream that I had hamburgers and toast for dinner and I had hamburgers and toast for dinner and my dream came true like <laughs> literally came true um which is I mean it's a ridiculous dream but um there's something that happens to you like like your body your brain um you're really affected um when, when you can make something real that only existed mm. um, in a dream. Uh, yeah. And I really want to see how I can be changed by continuing over and over to make things, to make those dreams come true. Mm. Yeah. Well, there was the one dream where you were carrying out a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Anyways, I read through a bunch of the dreams and a bunch of documentation and, and just had a lot of fun so if people want to go to your website yeah. um, you've documented your projects really well and it's nice to be able to go through and and see everything and read a few dreams and see a bit of the, the stuff if they want to yeah. but um, but the thousand steps was kind of neat and one of the things I liked about it um, and so maybe you can just describe it just quickly and then sure I had a dream that I went to a performance art festival with my friend Makiki who uh, I dream about a lot um, and who I attend performance festivals with a lot, just by chance. Um, and it was kind of a convoluted dream, but in the dream I was meant to be doing a project called 1000 Steps, um, where I was, I, the whole performance was that I would walk a thousand steps and then the performance was over. Um, and the festival brought in a, uh, a treadmill for me to use <laughs> to do this performance. So when I was offered, um, a performance in Toronto I was like yeah I want to my Kiki's here in town and I want to remake this work yeah where I walk a thousand steps so they brought in a treadmill that's so <laughs> cool and, but also in the dream I had walked many many more than a thousand steps <laughs> so it didn't really matter I, I wasn't counting how many steps I took yeah that, that ended up not being the idea of it, exactly. of it at all yeah which was kind of nice that yeah. it was sort of this premise but it wasn't it wasn't like it was something that needed to be collected exactly right. and some of the dreams are like that sometimes it, it needs to be exactly right um like uh Clayton Smith was a preparator for the Southern Alberta Art Gallery and I dreamed that he made these beautiful drawing benches for the SAGS uh, public programming. Yeah. So when they offered me a performance there, I said, yes, if we can get Clayton to make these drawing benches. And so those are very, very exact and they like are perfect and they're right out of my wow. dream. Oh, that's so cool. It's really cool. And then some of them, yeah, are just dreams are a bit vague and they yeah. contradict themselves. Um, and so, yeah, they're, whole project is really kind of all over the place in a way that lets me um, 
remain engaged and not get bored with it. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of dreams to uh, to go through. And how many years have you been doing it now? Is it a, a couple of years that you started? About three years About ago. Three. Yeah, yeah, and there's 500 dreams. Not that I'm going to work with all of them, but <laughs> but you've got a lot to draw from. I've got a lot to draw from, yeah. Yeah, well, that's very cool. And the project you're doing tomorrow that you're in town for, what is that? So um, the artist, uh, Hazel Meyer, mm -hmm. has been the artist in residence with the Calgary Stampede for, I think, three years now. Um, and she was meant to do this project um, was going to be a grandstand performance during the stampede and because of covid um, that didn't pan out so what she's been doing is hiring performance artists to do really uh, simple quiet one-on-one -on -one performances with horses mm -hmm. um, so i have been assigned a horse mm -hmm. and uh, what i'm going to be doing with this horse named taylor um, is trying to befriend her i want to um, relive my past non-life of being a horse girl, which I never was, um, and see if it's possible to become a, become horse, a girl. horse girl now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a sad and mel melancholy project because I don't really think um, I'll end up feeling as connected to the horse as I want to. Oh, I'd be surprised. Well, and if I do, then I'll have to leave and I know I'll probably never see her. Anymore. And then it'll still be melancholy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's going to be ridiculous. I've got a, a whole ridiculous Western getup that yeah. it makes it very obvious that um, how artificial and, and how outside the world of horses I really, really am. Yeah, very cool. Um, and so that's tomorrow. Maybe looking back um, on your work, my work and your work share a lot of different things when it comes to um, body performance art installation. Um, they sort of share a lot of things there. So a lot when I'm reading the different things you're doing, for, for one thing, they kind of kill me like the Fat Haircuts book, because I used to love those. So the premise of the Fat Haircuts book was sort of taking off those glossy, um, hair books that when you went to the hair salon and you would find the perfect haircut for you, right? Yeah. And they would have in there, if you have a round face, this is what you should wear. If you have oval, you can have anything, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, and so you did, did you, did you get a bunch of people to go into and make a glossy book? Yeah, so I made this giant coffee table book, but the models in it, I just asked people who identified as fat, whatever that meant, if, yeah. if I could take pictures of their haircuts. Yeah. Um, because I think fat people look great when they feel great. Exactly. Um, and yeah. that there's no haircut that looks best on a certain type, like that's ridiculous. And yeah. we, I mean, the project is old enough now that I think um, it's stuff that people hadn't thought about as much, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but now in fashion especially we talk about um fuck flattering and like your your body is a beach body when you put your body on a beach right like we do so much about um about how to dress your body so that it looks a specific way we do and yet it's still a very activist act to put on a bikini and, oh, and go yeah. no, it's absolutely. still you know so it, as much as it's out there. No, we accept all bodies and everybody's a beach body. 
it's not bad at all. You no. don't feel it. <laughs> we don't accept all yeah. bodies. Like, um, we want, like, we want people to, but society yeah. doesn't. No. But society's not going to change until... It's slowly changing. Like, it is changing. Like you say, from 10 years ago, there is a huge difference. And, and definitely the movement or the activism that's being done and the activism that happens. I always say getting dressed in the morning, to me, very often is an activist act. Very often I'll wear something that I'm not comfortable in. Yeah. That I, all day I feel self-conscious in. But it's like, no, I'm going to do it because I definitely feel like my tummy's going to show today or my ass is gonna, you know, whatever it is, yeah. this is what I'm gonna do. And, and it's very often still an activist act to choose what to wear in this body. Yeah, because sure. this body is still so politicized. Yeah. I mean, when I started wearing bikinis, it was very specifically a political act. But as soon as I started wearing them, I realized it's so freeing not to have so much fabric covering up your body. like. To feel the air and the sun on my belly was so freeing that yeah. I can't go back now. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I two pieces are are easy, but I do still feel like if I go to not that I go to a resort very often. I've been a couple times, but when I went, I do feel you get up and you walk across to the pool, and I feel it. Like you do still feel as a fat person, there is just that still out there. Yeah, but absolutely. but this fat ass is walking across there and being enjoyed by many. They're they're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I did a project many years ago in Toronto called Fashion Plate, mm -hmm. where I asked the public to make clothes for me. Uh -huh. um, just random members of the public that may or may not have any sewing skills at all, and it wasn't about that. Yeah. It was about asking them to think of me as beautiful, and they all like. They worked so hard, like oh. just these random people that happened across me um, in the Drake Hotel just were like, yeah, I want to make you beautiful. I think you are beautiful. You are beautiful. You should, you know, you should feel beautiful. I'm going to make you some beautiful clothes. And they didn't, they didn't really get it because they didn't have to think about how I live in this body and how I have to move through the world. So some of them made me um, these like really teeny bikinis and these really tight-fitting things that showed off my rolls and some really fluffy things that um, that made me look like a birthday cake. <laughs> and they were all wonderful. And I, yeah. I really felt the genuine love from all of them. But then the culmination of the project was a fashion show where um, the audience for, that was there for the fashion show was watching me and the backdrop of the fashion show was a nightclub. Oh. And so I wound my way through the nightclub in all of these outfits, which people had poured their hearts into, oh, you know, wow. and really thought of me as beautiful. And they had to watch while the crowd looked horrified at my body. And that's when they got it. That's yeah. when they really got it, that I can think of myself as beautiful and they can work hard to think of me as beautiful, but that's not the reality of the world. Yeah. Very touching. <laughs> Very touching. So is that something, is body something that um, you feel now you still put a lot into your work? Or is it something that, um, I guess, I guess, is is fat um, phobia, acceptance, all of those things, are they very key in your work? Let's say all summer. 
when, when you were doing that work? Was that different work or is that something you're still playing with that idea of? I mean, it's always going to be there in my work because fatness is always going to be read into the content of my work, whether I want it to be or not, as That's long as true. I'm making performance. Yeah. Um, because here's my fat body. And so I'm never just like, oh, there's a person doing whatever. It's, oh, there's a fat woman doing whatever. Um, and everybody's uh, reality is read into the content of the work yeah. that they make when they're a performance artist. Um, and sometimes that means, oh, look, it's a woman doing this. And sometimes it means, oh, there's a black person doing this. Yeah. Um, but it's people who are more othered yeah. than the norm that get that content read into it, like in a really explicit way that's usually um, kind of unproductive or counterproductive. Um, so yeah, it's always there in my work, but I spent a long time making fat art and making art that was very politically fat. And now I think it's a little softer and um, when it's there, it happens to be part of the content of my work. It's um, because it's part of me and not yeah. because it's uh, very explicitly political. I kind of got that feeling when I was looking through sort of your, your summer pieces or even just some of those pieces it felt like it wasn't as much in the forefront like you say because of our size that's always what whatever is obvious in a person yeah. is always then commented on in in the work but but it did seem like there was kind of more of a a little bit of a shift but and um it looked like you were making some beautiful things this summer <laughs> in your performances but yeah so what's next What's next? Besides tomorrow. Um, I have some grants that I need to spend the money for. It's, um, it's basically all dream work. Mm -hmm. One of the projects that I've been trying to work on for the last year and a half uh, is an audio project. So I've hired oh, 20 voice actors to record my dreams. Uh, and then I'm going to be making basically a cacophony of sound where it's really difficult to pick out any of the words. It'll just be like a cloud of sound buzzing overhead. Um, but the recording studio is inaccessible to people outside the university. Um, and so we've been trying to start the recording process and, uh, and that's just hasn't been able to happen. So hopefully we'll start that back up in the new year. Um, I have two large sculptures that I'm working on that have come out of dreams. One was a dream I had about um, an inflatable rubber ducky fair ride. <laughs> um, and so I'm making this uh, rubber ducky shaped sofa that needs to be able to float. Um, and it'll be quite large, so I need to work with an inflatables company to make that. Yeah. And I had another dream that a friend of mine built a roller coaster inside of his house. Um, and so I'm <laughs> building basically, I mean, we'll see what happens, um, but I'm trying to build a wheelchair roller coaster. Oh. Um, and I probably don't have enough money or space for a track, but at least the, at least the you wheelchair have itself that has like a you know, arm that comes yeah. down and locks you in um, and has uh, roller coaster wheels on it, but also handles in the back so that you can push it. Um, 
yeah, so making these giant, fantastic objects, that's sort of next on my agenda. So when someone asks you what's next, it's, I'm just making my dreams come true. I'm making my dreams come true. That's yeah. just my future. This is my most recent dream come true. I dreamed that I had this tattoo of Alice in Wonderland holding a red soft cover book that says it's Miss on it and the name Kevin James above it. <laughs> and I dreamed I had this tattoo, so I got it. Alice in Wonderland. Where did you, where did you get that? In Edmonton? In Edmonton. Yeah. And I saw your performance of your teeny little um, perfect, not perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm not sure how you'd say it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> With no R in it. Right. Yeah, which was quite lovely. And and um, just the image of you um, projecting onto your new body too was, and the performance that went along with that that was being projected, but. That was quite a compelling, compelling image as well. And then you were going through pain, getting your tattoo while, while there was the performance. Yeah, that's one of the pieces that feels like transitioning from making work that's really explicitly about fatness to work that's just happens to use my body. So mm -hmm. in that project, I was lifting my breasts up for two hours while I got tattooed. <laughs> just under my breast. And it took so two could... hours to tattoo that? Yeah, it Why? took me more than that because it was a stick and poke. Oh, with a relatively oh, thick line. Oh. Yeah, that's why. But I was also holding my breasts out of the way so my stomach could be a screen. Right. Um, so I was really, really putting my body on display, but it was yeah. for the purposes of the work and not for, you know, specifically wanting people to stare at my fatness. Yeah, no, but it's, it is very compelling, and 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 they are right. Absolutely. And yeah, no, it's very very compelling. Well, I really enjoy your work. Really enjoy you. I'm glad we got to. I I've sort of followed you for a bit, and and seen you in different places, and been able to wave. But we haven't been able to sit and have a conversation before. So no, hopefully it'll be one of, of many more. I hope so. But um. Thanks for coming and joining me and you're welcome. Thanks chatting. For having me. And we'll have to chat again when you're doing your next next seven years of dreaming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks, Lily. Hey, cheers. <laughs>